Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In most U.S. hospitals, alongside medical responses to illness and injury, lesser-known interventions take place every day. Responding to patients, family members, and hospital staff who are experiencing spiritual and emotional distress, chaplains sit at bedsides helping people to deepen connections with themselves and one another and the world beyond this one. A Still Small Voice it's a beautiful documentary film that is, there'll be a screening for it on Friday, December 10th at the DC TV uh, Firehouse. We're joined today by the director, Luke Lawrenson, as well as the producer, Kellen Quinn. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Mike. Luke Lawrenson, your previous documentary work was Midnight Family. It was a story of a family who runs a ambulance service in Mexico City about the care that they give and administer to others in their work. Would it be fair to say that the spirit of Midnight Family has carried over into this work, A Still Small Voice? What inspired this film? Midnight Family and A Still Small Voice feel in some ways like very different films to me, but they are deeply related and I, I think there's something in me that finds the stories that come up in these settings, ambulances, hospitals that are very rich and hard to not pay attention to. It, Mary Lampson, who's one of the advisors and editors on the film, she's like said it very clearly of like, why, why would we look there? But then where else should we look? <laughs> it's yeah. sort of, you know, it is where some of the deepest questions are are present and more than that where I can observe them unfolding in real time and that's a big interest of mine as a filmmaker. Kellen Quinn when did, where did you come into the project I know you worked uh, with Luke on Midnight Family but where how did that collaboration carry over into this one? It was while we were um, releasing Midnight Family that Luke first mentioned that his sister was working as a chaplain and that was the the kind of earliest seed of the idea, but it was really um, early in the pandemic, I think April 2020, that Luke came back to that and said that this was something that he was sort of had been thinking about and asked whether it intrigued me. And it, it did immediately, both because I'd heard a little bit from his sister also about her work. And also my father, when he was in hospice, had been offered a chaplain that he immediately declined. And I thought, yeah, of course, why would we want this person coming in trying to like talk about Jesus? It was a totally different context, nothing like Mount Sinai's spiritual care department. But I realized that I dismissed it without even thinking or asking. And so when we brought this idea back up, it was really, really exciting to, to think of what he could do with this type of question, this type of story. And, and it, that's where it began. As you're mentioning the date that, that this came to you. So this, you as you can see in the film, I, I'm assuming that the masks were a result from uh, COVID. You were, so you were filming at maybe one of the most perilous times that you could be in a hospital. 
I do want to get into these discussions that these people are having with one another. David and Mati, that is an incredibly powerful, interesting, provocative conversations that are going on during the film. You you mentioned just uh, you know where else would you want to go for these stories, and I I was I've been, I was thinking about it while I'm watching the movie. These are the things that in some ways are the most important questions to be asked. The most important moments in our lives are when you are either at the end or you're dealing with someone who's near the end. But we don't really want to know. In some, I mean, if there's something about the human experience, the human, I'll call it defense mechanisms. I don't know what it is. Is that is that a fair Luke? Is that fair to say it that way? I think what makes Mati so special, and, and one of the reasons that I really focused on her was that defense mechanism was softened, and she really did want to look and really did want to ask questions that I was not at first comfortable asking. And being with her in the room as she invited her patients to explore these huge and, and difficult parts of their insides, as she might say, was incredibly meaningful. And we, you know, we were often encountering people who were only able to start thinking about these things when it was very late. And, you know, it could turn into a whole discussion of, of different cultures and, and places where these types of conversations are invited as a part of everyday life. And I think Mati is somebody who carries a lot of this with her in a, in a very present way. What what makes Mati so uh, compelling for a lot of reasons that this honesty that you're describing, uh, but also, I mean, she's physically a smaller person, but you can almost feel the weight that she, when she gets into these conversations, you can just imagine the kind of compression in the room, uh, the, the suff almost suffocating, there's no, there's no way except to be honest. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it in such a way that isn't damaging to the person you're talking to, that doesn't irre irrevocably damage them. And Kellen, you were in the room for these conversations. And as you just described, you went through some version of this as well. How much, while well, you're listening to these conversations between these people, or you're they're there, does religion become more important? Does it strip away a lot of the other stuff, the artifice of religion or, or of spirituality? How do you, how do you, how are you processing it? Because one quick thing, the language that's used by the people who are doing this is very different than the language we, you and I would be using in a conversation, very different. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how does that, how does that land with someone who is in the room while you're, while these are taking place? Oh, well, I'll let, I'll let Luke start because I, as in the producing role was not in the room the and the oh. entire thing was just luke and his camera as the the sole <laughs> physical crew member there um okay. i can talk a little bit after about you know what it was like to watch the material and discuss it with luke but yeah i think being in the room is thank you for kellen, kellen did come in the very beginning and, and was able to shadow a few chaplains in the department which was continued to be very important for the project that he also had some real experience being yeah. there but for a variety of reasons the production itself was just me and my camera working well, with well look before you answer the, the other because you're there for a specific reason you're in the room for something in some ways other than the reason that Imadi is in the room so I just I'm kind of curious how how it plays for you 
Yeah, I mean, I think the material for the film really started to take shape when Mati and I actually had the same reasons for being in the room. Okay. Um, or or very similar and collaborative reasons for being in the room, which was learning not to ignore the camera and not to film just for the sake of the movie, but using it as a tool to heighten Mati's work or intentions of making people feel seen and important. I think Mati, in order to, to make this film, really needed to come up with a system along with me that felt deeply in touch with her aims as a chaplain. And it wasn't until many months into the residency where we sort of discovered that there was a deep parallel and connection between the chaplain's goal of listening and the filmmaker's goal of, of listening. And that's when some of the key scenes in the film started to become possible. If there was any tension or any sort of disconnect about between what I wanted and what Mati needed, the project would have crumbled and the audience also would have felt that. I think the big fear was that, you know, a viewer would have felt uninvited or like they were watching or, or sort of um, participating in something that they shouldn't have been. And Mati and I were able to solve for that by sharing some key goals. And also being with her when she wasn't at the hospital, understanding yep. her, getting to know her. Correct. By the way, I want to remind our listeners that uh, we're talking about this really incredible documentary film. It is uh, There are moments in this film that are just hard to describe other than just to experience what you're seeing and what you're hearing, how you're seeing people react. A still small voice, and we're talking with the director, Luke Orinson, as well as the producer, Kellen Quinn, and... Uh, the film is premiering at the DC TV Firehouse Cinema in New York City on November 10th, as well as the Lemley Royal here in Los Angeles on the 17th of November. I hope I've said enough about that these chaplains are there as part of kind of a hospice, taking care of people who are at the edge of of dying, uh, near experiencing that that part of their the last part of their life. And it takes place in uh, New York City's Mount Sinai Hospital. And not only the people we're talking about, but just the there's so much here to be celebrated about the work that's being done there. This relationship between David, her supervisor, and Mati is an important one because we see how other aspects of this work play out because they're monitoring each other. This is just very much a care for the people who are administering this care at the end of these people's lives, as well as for them themselves and watching the people go through this. I, I, I don't know exactly the question that be asked, but except to say that it is a remarkable part of the film to watch that. And the very, very subtle ways how that relationship, I don't know if it's right, the right way to put it, but kind of spirals out. Kellen or, or Luke, I don't know who to take that question is it's an important part of the film it's just so incredible it was an, an interest for mine from the very beginning was exploring not just the work chaplains do with patients but the toll that it takes on on them and and the work that is required outside of the patient room to build capacity to build awareness understanding and and the residency which is led by david is is designed to teach people how to do this work better 
And a lot of that is exploring one's past, one's triggers, one's sort of soft spots. And, and Mati and David are sort of working through that together throughout the film. And of course, David also has his own learnings and soft spots. And so the film is sort of a pyramid of people providing help and also needing help. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, we'd all be enriched if we were to take much of the language that they use with one another. If we as people spoke to each other in the ways that they do, it's it's it as the world I live in, it seems impractical to be talking the way they that they do. We don't have time for that, generally speaking. Yeah. But at the same time, we'd all be better people. We'd be we'd live in a better world if we were able to make it a part of the lexicon in a more of a usual way. And it's it it seems right, but at the same time, it seems almost foreign. It's really interesting to hear you saying that because I think Luke and I felt some something of that sort. And then there are other people who find it totally impenetrable or off-putting um, that it yeah. feels jargony and like it's not actually getting right to the heart of matters. And I, I think, honestly, that's missing the point of it. It's a tool and something that was really interesting to see happen and to, and to learn is about sort of more broadly is like therapists have their people that they go and speak with, right? We, we could, maybe we don't need the lexicon exactly, but all of us could probably could benefit from having someone who's in our field, a peer whose role is just to speak with us, to work through the challenges, the questions that we have. It's not a therapist, it's different than a therapist, but it is somebody who, as we see David doing, kind of can can ask challenging questions, can help sort of prompt reflection. And yeah, I, I think the the specific language of chaplaincy, it would be hard to put into all contexts, but that sort of relationship dynamic, which Luke ended up being for most of the, for really everyone in the cohort, right? He was sort of there the making of the film was a way for them to have someone to speak with who in a sense became their peer. He wasn't literally doing the residency, but he was effectively doing the residency. And yeah, I, I, that's something I really came to appreciate in the process of making the film. We, that, that's where I think we could all benefit if, if our world had room for something like that. If we took the time to ask each other in, a, in a, a way that's appropriate, how are we, what are we actually thinking as opposed to what we think we're supposed to say? And that's the kind of, that's sort of the dialogue. That's what I picked. And I also learned a long time ago, certain professions, what separates them from me is the language that they use, the words that they use to describe something, a carpenter, a plumber, a doctor, a lawyer, they use a language that is not something you would use in everyday life, but it's necessary for what they do. And in some ways, I feel like that kind of carries over into this. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. It's it's they are, they are all tools of different yes. sizes. Yes. Openings for very difficult conversations, and without some of the structure that a certain vocabulary gives, I think opening the door to to a, to asking would be more more difficult. And the reason I'm fixated on this is because it really plays an important part in the stories of these people. It really matters how they're feeling or what is triggering them or what it is, because they're on the edge in this work. You're on the edge almost all the time. It's such a powerful film. I, I can't I cannot underscore this strongly enough.
Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a, there are a couple of scenes that are just beyond um, beyond what uh, what people who who are dealing with this how they how they manage to navigate it and walk away um, uh, and not be traumatized is amazing to me. But you know, I will also say they're also better people. I know this is kind of trite. It sound may sound trite, but these are incredibly valuable people to do the work they do. And it, maybe it's not right to say they're better for it, but it, it just feels like this is such a necessary part of our of our human existence, and they're there for it. Yeah, I, I truly think it's a miracle that there are people like Mati and David who show up and have the curiosity and, and energy to keep showing up. And it's yeah. there's there's something very hard to describe that both of them have that is deeply human and sometimes beautiful, sometimes messy, but it, it continues to show up. It's uh it's what kept me going throughout the film is is, is yeah. alongside them and witnessing it all. Right. And the good the good news is they want to continue to do it. That's amazing. Well, my congratulations to you on this incredible film, A Still Small Voice. We've been speaking with the director, Luke Lorenzen, as well as the producer, Kellen Quinn. The film is, as I said, coming out in uh, New York on the November 10th at the DC TV Firehouse Cinema, John Alpert's outfit. What an amazing platform for documentary filmmakers he is, as well as on November 17th at the Lemley Royal here in Los Angeles. To both of you, Congratulations on this incredible work and congratulations continuing to do the work you've been doing. I hope to see you somewhere down the line with another project. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to to talk with us. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.